We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. No Jack Manuel today, but we've got a special guest, Matt and AQ. Matt, happy to have you back. How are we doing? I'm good, man. Good to be back, especially after a win. Yes, you might be a good luck charm. We might have to get you back on the show. Nets end their five-game losing streak. They beat Detroit 121-111 in Detroit in overtime. Before we get into it, though, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But Matt, where do you want to start with this one? Let's start with Kyrie Irving, because that feels like the only place to really start. Kyrie, I mean, he stepped up. He was the leader today. I mean, the Nets needed him because this game looked bad in that second quarter. Going to halftime, down 10, goes and comes out in the third quarter, drops 12 straight points, scores 45 on the game. Matt, did you think this was one of his best performances as a Net? Uh, I think because of the win, and I was at the 50-point night game, I think this was his best performance as a Net. And I say it not just because of how he scored and completely took over, but also because he was finding Jared Allen repeatedly yep. down the stretch. He was finding Joe Harris. He's not going to forget their names after games like tonight. He was both our leading superstar point guard in terms of scoring, and he was facilitating. He was a true team player, and that's not something we've seen too much of. It's like we usually don't get the best of both worlds. Like, there'll be games where Kyrie's facilitating, but he's not scoring. And then other games he's scoring, he's not looking for his teammates. Like you said, tonight we got the best of both worlds. Then also, what I like from Jared Allen, there was a play late in the game where he rejected Andre Drummond. And I feel like that got some extra respect from Kyrie Irving because then on the next possession, he hits Jared Allen and he finishes through contact over Drummond. Absolutely. And trust has. Trust has to be earned. Chemistry has to be developed. It, it looked like Kyrie was testing out the waters first time. Okay, we're going to try it. We're going to see if we have the timing the same way he did when he was trying the force with uh, DeAndre Jordan early in the season. 
he was Kyrie was really just trying to see where they stood, and lo and behold, they connected. And you could see that with each pass, there was more and more trust, less and less hesitation on Kyrie's part, and Jared Allen got to eat off of it. Yeah, and it felt like just not only Jared Allen, but he was developing trust with, you know, Wilson Chandler, Spencer Dooney, Joe Harris, because at the end of that game, Detroit was giving him a lot of pressure, and he had to give up the ball a couple times. Like you mentioned, either led to Jared Allen finishing inside, Joe Harris hitting a three, or Spencer Dinwiddie having an easy drive to the rim where he could just lay it in. And, you know, Dinwiddie, who didn't have a great game, I felt like he really stepped up in that fourth quarter in overtime. Yeah, listen, I'll take a timely performance over a monster performance uh, that comes with a loss any day of the week. And this was Dinwiddie not needing to be the starting pitcher, middle reliever, and closing pitcher to cross sports for a second. <laughs> this was a case of Dinwiddie saying, I'm going to be, you know, I'm just going to close this game out. And that's all we needed for him because Kyrie and Code pretty much did the rest. And it really was a tale of two halves because going into halftime, and we were talking about this, we were talking about the lack of energy, the lack of hustle, the bad body language, getting, they're too late to rotate on defense. You know, there's no help. The shot selection is suspect. And this was in the second half. It was really reminiscent of one of last year's wins where they probably could have done it with less effort had they made a few better decisions. But they pulled it out in the end, and you can't not help but feel a little exhilarated and a little happy going forward. Yeah, you feel like this could be a momentum game. And, like, if you told me at halftime that that's we're going to lose this game, I'd probably agree with you. But Kyrie came out, like we were talking to the DMs, had those 12 straight points, and it just felt like there was a different energy with the team. Second unit later in the third quarter wasn't so great, but then Kyrie's back out there. You feel like you have the confidence to win. And I feel like it just – this could be real positive vibes for the entire team. Obviously, they play a game tomorrow night, and we'll see what happens. But I think this could last a little bit longer than just tonight. Right. This is the kind of game, the kind of win, especially that can turn, it can be a, a turn of the corner. Right. And there were things that you really just hadn't seen in a long time, the way they whipped the ball around the perimeter, you know, that one possession where Wilson Chandler took the open shot and he missed, but I'm living with that possession every time because there's going to be plenty of times when Wilson Chandler makes the shot, but also they look like a team with chemistry. They know to trust each other. The second time they went around the horn, it looked like there was maybe an overpass, but that's all right. We still have to remember that this is a team that hasn't played a lot of its minutes together. Kenny's still trying to figure out the rotation, and that trust is going to come just with repetition. Yeah, more reps on the floor together. And I mentioned the momentum carrying to the next game. I thought Nets fans would be very happy to see Joe Harris hit a couple clutch threes in this game, whose shot has been off the last couple games, probably due to his back injury. But still, nice to see Joe knock some down. Yeah, and I mean, Joe has had a habit lately of driving too much, hesitating, and getting caught in between. And Torian Prince is a little bit guilty of this as well, where they kind of get caught between decisions, and it winds up being either a bad three that's heavily contested or it winds up being a, a drive to the rim that's a step too slow and ends up get, you know, being a, a, a very Easy just block. off the iron miss. Yeah, exactly. And to see Joe Harris just have that confidence back, hit a shot from beyond the arc with no one around him like he's supposed to, that's the kind of stuff that breaks you out. That's a slump-busting shot right there. Yeah, I felt like there was a, a situation in this game where he missed a couple and they were wide open. He was like, no, I'm hitting this shot. And you could see he was like focused, locked in, and then he knocked it down. So really positive because obviously Joe's going to unlock a lot of things with his facing. But another guy we'll talk about is Wilson Chandler. I know you've been high on him in the past. Kenny went with him to close this game in the fourth quarter, close it with him in OT. Yeah, and he played 31 minutes. And I think it was a great call because they really needed Wilson Chandler's size down low. 
Yeah, and I've really been calling for him to be the starting four. In my opinion, I feel like him or Rodion's Pugus, who were, who was weirdly absent from today's game. Maybe Kenny is saving him for tomorrow. I don't really know. Uh, but regardless, I kind of like Wilson Chandler as something not much closer, but closer to a more traditional power forward. Yep. And when you have Torian Prince and Joe Harris out there together, it's kind of like overlapping skill sets. And it just wind. You saw the game versus the Lakers, right? It's not just Anthony Davis or Andre Drummond. They get killed by any kind of competent front court, any kind of competent big. And I know I DM'd you when I when Wilson Chandler came to help Andre Drummond, and they managed to get the stop, help Jared Allen of all people. I said that's a turning point because yep. whether it was Game One against Carl Anthony Towns, when it was Jared Allen getting dominated by Carl Anthony Towns, or whether it was Anthony Davis the other day. I've been calling for them to help poor Jared Allen out. And Torian Prince, this is no fault of his own. He's not responsible for his his build. He There needs to be someone else with size and muscle out there. And Wilson Chandler is kind of looking like the guy. And Wilson Chandler is not timid. I think at times Torian Prince is almost scared to get involved. You know, I remember watching that Laker game and Jared Allen's trying to defend Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard by himself. It's a tough ass. So I think having Jer- uh, having Wilson Chandler out there with Jared Allen just gives him somebody down low. And also I think Chandler does a nice job boxing people out because we ask so much of Jared Allen to be a help defender. He's usually at a position to get back on his man. Wilson Chandler did a, a good job a couple times in this game getting in front of Drummond and making that much harder to get the rebound. Absolutely. And you didn't, Wilson Chandler, I don't know if he'll be the starting power forward at any point, but I do, we can all agree, right? He's earned minutes to be a consistent rotational piece. He does hit the three point at a respectable, three point shot at a respectable clip, excuse me. And like I said, if he's going to help out on defense, if he's going to box out, that all those little fundamentals are things we would get from guys like Ed Davis, Damari Carroll, whoever else a year ago, all the little hustle plays. If he's making those, then I don't need him to be dominant in the box score. I just need him to help everyone else do what they're supposed to do. And that's kind of what he was today. Yeah, and he brings a little physicality and toughness that the Nets lack, especially in their starting lineup. I would not be completely surprised if Chandler ended up starting at some point in the season. I was somewhat surprised that, you know, Torian Prince only played 21 minutes and Chandler played 31, not because I disagreed with it, just because Kenny hasn't done that in the past. And I think there's been plenty of situations where we would have preferred to see Rodion's or Chandler down the stretch. Right. And when I saw the starting lineup announced today, I really did think of it as, uh, to put it in Breaking Bad quotes, I thought of it as kind of a half measure. Because I saw Garrett Temple starting, which in my mind, it's inevitable that Karis LeVert will end up being the starting shooting guard in the very near future. Um, I don't know what the deal is. Maybe the performance staff wants him on some sort of restriction. But having having Jared Allen, Kyrie Irving, and then having Spencer Dinwiddie go back to the second unit, it's not meant to be a demotion to Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't think that Dinwiddie needs to come off the bench because he's bad. If, let's say, you're on a different team, uh, let's say your team is the Knicks, right, and he's your point guard, that's fine. Spencer Dinwiddie is a perfectly good, you know, that border game manager. I don't want to call him a game manager because he can definitely shoot you back into a game. But he's kind of like on the fence of high-end six-man versus low-end starter. And that's a pretty good position to be in. But I didn't want to see him playing with Kyrie to start the games because it yeah. has to be Kyrie's offense to run at some point, at least with the starting unit. And today I thought it was just a good way to get him some trust. Eventually I expect Kyrie and Karras to be the starting backcourt and Spence will resume his role as you know coming off the bench. 
The only thing I can think of with Karras not starting is that they have not been happy with his defense because obviously offensively he's providing you more than Garrett Temple. I think defensively they want to see Karras get better, and that's probably their excuse for playing Temple over him. I agree with you. I would like to see Levert back in that lineup. I think it'll happen hopefully by the end of February at the latest. Yeah, and Karras is still clearly working his way back. Yep. Uh, I'm noticing even offensively, right, that's where you th- he's going to make his bread and butter. Excuse me. He's shooting well in like short spurts where he'll hit two or three shots or he'll go maybe three out of four. And then his shooting might fall off a cliff as he tries to not heat check, but shoot himself back into the game. I think he's desperately trying to catch where he was, say, like in the playoffs or early last season where he's becoming just a, a consistent and reliable uh, offensive contributor. His percentages look worse than he is. Sometimes those shots are just heavily contested. Sometimes they're just ill-advised. But it's not really an indicator of his talent. I just think he needs to let the game come to him a little more. And I think it, while he's off the bench, there's still a good chance for that to happen. He also may need to be a guy similar to D'Angelo a year ago who needs the starting lineup just to kind of boost his confidence. Because D'Lo, we remember, he was sulking on the bench. As soon as he got the nod to start again, his confidence shot up, his body language changed, and all of a sudden he was back to being himself. Yeah, it could definitely be a thing for Karras. And I think I agree. I think offensively he's just a little bit out of sync. You'll see the stretches. At the end of the first quarter, it felt like, oh, shit, Karras might get hot in this game. Back-to-back threes, you know, Detroit wasn't respecting him. And then a couple uh, times later in the game, you know, shorten his layups, missed a lap. He probably makes, you know, 90% of the time. So I think that'll come for him. Let's talk about Torian Prince, who only got 21 minutes. What would you think about him this game? I mean – to be honest, Torian Prince, the fact that I don't really have too much bad to say, it's almost like uh, officiating. Good officiating is the officiating you don't really notice too much. Yep. He uh, he kind of initiated what I thought was the turning point in the game. Kyrie had knocked down a, a few shots, and Torian Prince earned a charge on the other end. And that kind of made me sit up uh, on my couch and say, oh, okay, they might actually be trying. And that yeah. was something that I wasn't able to say in the first half of the game. And I don't need him to be lights out from three. I do need him to show consistent effort. And that's kind of, like I said, also with Wilson Chandler, it's kind of the same situation. I'm cool with him having a low mistake, low usage type of night. And that's kind of what it was again. It feels like when Torian Prince isn't asked to do a lot, he's okay. Obviously, he didn't hit all of his threes tonight, but I did like the fact in the third quarter, too, he had that nice little pick and roll with Jared Allen where he hit him on a oop. Simple stuff like that. When he's not overused, I think he's a lot better player. And maybe, you know, the Nets need to keep his minutes down and keep him in that, you know, 20 to 26-minute range and split the minutes up between him and Chandler and Rodion's. I definitely agree with that. It also helps that, you know, Joe Harris is uh... – Joe Harris, at least late in the game, was able to show some vitality on offense. Uh, but when it comes to Torian Prince, I feel like part of why he's been struggling late, well, not so much lately, right? Because he's been, in the past few games, he's been serviceable. But following Kyrie's return, they were still treating Torian Prince as if he was one of the only options. And I yep. think Prince it does well in almost like, um, I don't want to say a Harrison Barnes role, but kind of like a secondary, hey, if the ball ends up in his hands, great, let him shoot it kind of role. I don't want Torian Prince being a focal point of the offense where he's going to shoot 17, 15 times a night because that's when you start to see him look like a deer in the headlights when he catches the ball on the perimeter. He hesitates. He ends up taking a shot that's too late because by that time the, the contest is there and the hand is up. 
or he drives and it becomes an awkward two-pointer and it's just not good for anybody. So the way 22 minutes, listen, you can do better than two of six or two of seven, but you can also do worse as we've seen. So I'm not complaining. Yeah, it's like you just need to kind of simplify his role. And when he's in that simplified role, I think it's a lot easier for him to do his thing, even knock down threes. We got to see a little bit more of Nick Claxton tonight, not a ton of minutes, 13 minutes, but it feels like every time he's on the floor, something exciting happens. He didn't put up any huge dunks or anything like that. We just love the energy he plays with. So one of the most predictable uh, possessions of this game was him driving directly at Andre Drummond, something <laughs> in that direction. Uh, listen, the kid is brave. I'll give him that. And look, he's 19 years old. We can go through all the cliches about how he needs to get stronger. He needs to get more polished. He needs to get better conditioning, yada, yada, yada. They say that about everybody who comes in the league at 19. Uh, Luca was too fat. Zion is too fat. Jared Allen needed to put on muscle, still kind of does. But it's kind of just like he's playing hungry basketball in a way that Maybe only Rodion's Kuroks and yep. obviously tonight Kyrie Irving are playing on this team because they've been playing kind of lazy. They've been playing low energy. He looks thrilled just to be out there and getting playing time. And whether he's driving in for a hectic layup or a putback, not so much the putback, but he caught a lob from Kyrie at one point. He's looking energetic and enthusiastic. And that kind of play is really infectious, especially when there's not too much of it going around. So I think even when DeAndre Jordan comes back, I'm not going to hold my breath knowing Kenny Atkinson. I think he needs consistent minutes. Uh, If you can't get him here with us, for the love of God, get him, you know, back to the G League because he needs to keep playing and he needs to be developed because I think we can play him behind Jared Allen and we can play him next to Jared Allen. You saw that three-pointer he shot in the game the other day. Yeah, I agree. I think Kenny needs to keep him in the rotation, and now he has an actual option to put two bigs out there. There's no excuse for last year they really didn't have another power forward. You were never going to play Jared Allen and Ed Davis together. You can play Nick Claxton and Jared Allen together in so certain games are stints. Not the same at all. They're, exactly. They're not the same game. Yeah. And uh, especially if Claxton gets more confident with that three-point shot. We know he shot a lot in college. In the NBA, we haven't seen as much. I know he's been shooting a little bit more in the G League. If he gets confident with that three-point shot, it's going to be a out. tough lineup. Yeah. Especially considering the fact that, you know, KD, he's tall. He's incredibly talented. When he comes back, and that still feels like a weird thing to say, <laughs> when Kevin Durant comes back to the Nets, he may want to play the three. He yeah. may not want to deal with, you know, guarding larger and stronger, you know, power forwards. The days of the stretch four being uh, a unicorn are kind of in the past now. You know, they're not maybe plentiful, but they're still out there and they're going to have to be dealt with more often than not. It might be nice to have a, to be able to go big instead of going small. I don't know if Kenny will want to do that because, you know, he seems to love small ball. But I want to take a quick detour just back to Tori and Prince. Remember back two years ago when – Quincy AC was one of the few small ball <laughs> options, yes. and I'm using options. I did not expect to talk about Quincy AC tonight. <laughs> but, and I, I'm not saying this to, to be disparaging to either Quincy AC or Kenny Atkinson or Torian Prince for that matter, but kind of the same way we were like every night, there were people who were flabbergasted at Quincy. That's the first time I've ever said flabbergasted. There were people <laughs> who were just completely puzzled. By Quincy AC getting extended minutes on a nightly basis, Torian Prince kind of during his struggles reminds me of that where we know in theory he fits the system. We know in theory he can hit the three, but because he's not hitting threes and he's not grabbing rebounds and he's not defending, you're getting all the negatives of small ball and you're getting none of the positive. That's what was really frustrating about him for a stretch. 
Not 100% agree. Diversion, but it's just a point I wanted to make because that's kind of what it reminded me of. Quincy AC was out there nightly, and uh, it was not pretty. And I think the thing that made Nets fans aggravated about that, we've seen in the past, if a player doesn't play well, Kenny will bench them in the fourth quarter, a la D'Angelo Russell, a la Karis LeVert, whoever it may be. If a player does play well, he might bench them in the fourth quarter. That's what Exactly. <laughs> and Torian Prince was pretty much getting these minutes just because he was a guy that could play the four and shoot a three. And the fact that he's not shooting a high clip, because I think in preseason and just the way we saw him early in the season, he looked I would, good. He looked like yeah. I, I was thinking, wow, this guy might have been a steal this summer. I love the extension. Now I'm like, you know, I was thinking 40% from three looked like it was a realistic option. And like he might have an easy life out there because people are so worried about Joe Harris. And then all of a sudden, there's just seemed like there was a point in the season where Torian Prince seemed less confident in his three point shot. And like you mentioned, he just got a little hesitant at times. And that's pretty much killed him. But I like the fact that Kenny was willing to adjust tonight. I think we should spend a little time on Jared Allen. You know, a lot of people think, hey, Andre Drummond completely outplayed him. But really, if you look at it, Jared Allen might have had a better game. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this, my notes for this game early were kind of just Andre Drummond out-muscling Jared Allen times two, times three, uh, however many possessions it was. Yeah, where he was that first quarter, he owned him. Absolutely, and it was almost reminiscent of the, uh, the, the series against the Sixers where you have just Embiid going up against Jared Allen, and Jared Allen is completely undersized, completely under, not strong enough to, to cope with it. Uh, Kudos to Jared Allen for just bouncing back in terms of yeah. confidence. You know, being like a, a quarterback who throws a couple of interceptions and then in the second half throws a bunch of touchdowns because that's kind of what it was. The first half, the first quarter anyway, he looked like he was completely mismatched. And then he got up, he's got a couple blocks on him. He was contesting shots. He got beat by D. Rose pretty badly at one point in time. But Jared Allen's been pretty unflappable and he's had great body language. He's had great chemistry. And that, I guess, feeds back into our conversation about how he was playing with Kyrie Irving earlier. And I think Kyrie having trust in him, Jared, I think we forget how young he is, gives him just so much more he's confidence. He can, yeah. he's, only, he's only been able to drink for but so many months. And we probably doubt he even drinks a lot, like just the way Jared Allen is. So, like, it, no, but just, it, I, I, yeah, I'm th- sure he's <laughs> drinking hot cocoa <laughs> and building computers. But uh, the four blocks, I mean, he had a couple highlight blocks in this one. I, like I mentioned earlier, that block late on Drummond I thought was just huge for not only him and the team, but just like moving forward to confidence. Hey, this guy might be able to muscle me, but if I time it rightly, I can still reject a shot. Listen, he's a high IQ player. Uh, are there times when he doesn't always look like he knows what he's doing on offense? Sometimes. But he's still really young. Yep. He's 21 years old. He's not in his prime yet. He's not even in his man body yet. You know, yep. I think if he's hitting towards the end of being 22, 23, and he's still not stronger, I think then you have reason to be a little bit concerned. But if you look at, and I'm not comparing him to Giannis, but Giannis from the time he was like, you know, when he, just a lanky kid coming into the league to the time he turned 23, the, it was exponential, the growth. And he, can, he still has time to put that on. But the confidence, the basketball IQ – and just his ability to go out there and be unflappable, not be afraid to get dunked on, not be afraid to challenge. You know, he might not get the block. He might get whistled, whatever. That's something that's really going to matter going forward. And I think I said it earlier, he's going to – Kyrie Irving is going to remember a game like this going into the next one because he say, hey, we had the connection before. Let's try it again. And that's kind of the start, the start of your point guard building chemistry 
with the rest of the team, quote unquote, the, the guys who were here before, the guys that don't come to his mind immediately in a post game press conference. And if you carry some bail, it's not, you can't name every single person on the roster, especially when one of those names might be like Timothy Luau Cabarro, you know what I mean? So, yeah. It, it, I think this has the potential to be the start of something really good. Before Dinwiddie had the chemistry with Jared Allen, D'Lo has had the chemistry with Jared Allen. This has been a long time coming, and you just want it to continue because then now we're not just a, a team that's backcourt reliant or backcourt heavy. Now we have a real option under center, and we might have another one coming off the bench for him. So knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. I mean, they're just this game seemed like a synergy and chemistry booster. And anybody who's watched the Nets for the last month kind of understood they're out of sync. There wasn't a ton of chemistry, just a lot of new pieces, rotations, you know, consistently changing. And there's no guarantee tomorrow it's going to bounce back and be this way. But I feel conf- a little bit more confident moving forward now. I do but, too. And one one last thing about Jared Allen: eight of thirteen from the field tonight, four of six from free throw. Look, if you're going four of six from the stripe, I'll live with that with Jared Allen. I mean, no one's going to be perfect. Team has had the yips all season long. I think it started with Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie four of four tonight from from the stripe. I mean, it's a step in the right direction. You live with games like this. Yeah, one hundred percent. Matt, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? I just want to touch on Rodion's groups because if he's not going to be in the rotation as a starter, maybe that'll go to Wilson Chandler. Maybe it'll stay with Torian Prince. I don't know. I still need to see him get some minutes. The only thing I can think of is maybe Kenny is keeping him fresh for tomorrow. It is a quick turnaround to a back-to-back against the Knicks team that really played them. I was at the game. I had incredible seats for the worst game I've ever been to uh, the last time they played the Knicks. I think I think Rody has to keep playing to keep playing. He has to develop a rhythm. And lately, I talk about developing confidence and not hesitating. Rody's been able to get the three ball to fall. He plays with energy. He plays with good body language out there. I don't like seeing him go the entire game without playing, and it's very strange to me. I know Kenny has his reasoning, but uh, it, I don't know what you think about it. It's just strange to see him go from, okay, you're going to have significant minutes to none at all. You'd think there'd be a scaling back of some kind. Yeah, it's interesting with Rodion Young because he provides, I don't want to say it's skill set that no one else provides, but just having that length and size, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but he's still long enough where he can go up against the four and he's not really scared and he plays with that tenacity. So at times you really feel like they need him. I think tonight was almost like Kenny trying out a new rotation. He made the change to starting lineup. I'll be interested to see if he plays tomorrow, especially against the Knicks who are going to play about five different power forwards. You know, you want to have... <laughs> and you want to have one of those longer players out there. So I think there's definitely matchups. Having Rodion's out there is such a benefit because he can pretty much guard two through four, and he gives you some plus rebounding in that time. So that really kills the Nets. And he's been shooting at a better clip yeah. as well, too. Which is- His three balls look nice. He put a little bit more arc on it. Jack and I talked about it a couple episodes ago. Yeah, and I've never doubted his uh, his range. Yep. or his just ability to get the ball from point A to point B. It's just always oh, a little wide left, oh, just off the iron right. It was never like he was hopeless. It was always just a, a couple of mechanical tweaks away. Yep. And to see it developing, I mean, listen, coming from a second round uh, a second round pick, it's pretty high value, even if it's just as a trade chip or if it's as a bench guy going forward. You want to see that continue as well. So let's hope he's back out there tomorrow, and uh, we'll see where we go from there. All right, Matt, it's been a pleasure having you back on the show. Tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. On Twitter, at Matt in AQ, M-A-T-T in AQ, just like it sounds.
And big thanks, everybody, for listening. Like I mentioned earlier on, you can find us iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.